This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello and welcome to a Tuesday night edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. Coach Thorpe is graciously making the time tonight. One of my favorite people to talk basketball with. Coach Thorpe, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. What is the weather like in uh, in your part of Florida right now? Because it is, um, without looking at the exact temperature, I can tell you that um, my way of phrasing what the weather is outside right now is Windy and cold as shit. So I am in my office. Uh, my windows and uh, French doors are open, and I'm wearing a tank top and shorts. And I'm a little bit warm, but I think it's gonna. I think we're gonna get down to uh, 50s overnight, 70s and sunny next four days. So it's been uh, my, our air conditioning's been on. Our AC. We turn our AC off maybe on Saturday or Sunday. And I hope we can leave it off till April, but um, we we have plenty of warm Novembers and Decembers, so it's it'd be great. Yeah, every day we can leave the air off, we're happy, and we probably put the heat on twice a year. So this is what this is par for the course for Florida. Sorry to tell you. So you're a gym guy, right? A gym guy. Gym guy, like you go to the gym. You you're still lifting these days, right? Um, I don't I don't lift. I uh. I walk, I mean, I'm an old man now, I'm going to be 55 in February. I mm-hmm. walk uh, 90 miles a month, every month, six days a week minimum, and 52 weeks a year, and I do pull-ups and core work, you know, ad stuff, and, you know, medicine ball twists, that kind of stuff, planks. I don't really lift. I, my wife prefers me to be as lean as possible, which I'm no good at, but I try my best. And okay. I just try to make her happy. And we're going on almost August to be 30 years for us. I've done something okay, I guess. Well, the reason I bring that up is yeah. because the weather dropping here. And yeah. I am now a gym guy. And I'm there every day. And it's unbelievable, the drop-off from good weather, packed <laughs> gym, to just yeah. slight cold where it was everything was open today. It was incredible. I was so happy. It's the first time that it's just been barren everywhere. And I was like, oh, right. People already don't want to go to the gym, but they really don't want to go to the gym when it's cold. This is incredible. I'm so excited for the next couple months. That's the only good thing about cold weather. Where, where do you live? Yeah. I mean, I'm downtown Atlanta. Oh, my, actually, I'm going to be up there very soon. Yeah, I'm speaking. Uh, one of my former NBA players being inducted to his college hall of fame and he asked me to, to present him, and so we're flying actually into Atlanta. But it won't be the weather. Probably will be how long? Yeah, a couple more days before it gets back to normal. Is that what it is? No, it's going to be cold. Like it's going to be cold for months now. It doesn't get warm again until like March, maybe. Right, but it's going to be. I looked it up. We're flying to Atlanta. We're not the college is north of that, but it's going to be high fifties when we're there. It won't be bad, but um, mm. 
I, I don't know. Yeah, I I visit free. I been, I visited freezing cold weather. I've been in you know, Minneapolis until the final four where it snowed and Lake Tahoe skiing, whatever. But I've never lived in it, so I don't have any. Our, the gym that I go do pull ups and everything in is always relatively busy. Uh, but we don't have those, that kind of weather unless hurricanes coming in. It's pretty empty. Yeah, <laughs> and that's we, we hope that's never the case. So, yeah, are exactly. we gonna meet up? Are we gonna get coffee? Get a drink? I know you're a cocktail guy. When you're in the I am. I am. Thank you for asking. No, my, no, we're on a very tight schedule because one of my uh, uh, longtime assistants is now the head coach for the G League Pelicans team, which is based in mm-hmm. Erie, Pennsylvania. Ryan Pannone, who's fabulous. Ryan's a first-year uh, coach. I think yeah, one of the other coaches. Last time. Yeah, he's amazing. So he's now the head coach of the G League team uh, that's based in Pennsylvania, but that's connected to the Pelicans, who hired him. And he plays in Lakeland, Florida, which is kind of in between Orlando, where I live, and Clearwater. And so we're flying, uh, we're flying in one day, flying out the next day, and going to watch him play uh, his team. In fact, I'm bringing my son's high school team uh, to watch. And, uh, yes, yeah, so there'll, be, there'll be nothing other than flying in and out of the airport. We'll be spending no time in Atlanta. So what is the status on that? That was another thing we, la- we left uh, um, unsettled last time you were on is uh, the college recruitment for your son. Oh, it's, it's gone well. Um, he, he left his senior year from a just a horrendous program to kind of like an independent program that has a, we have a two post-grad kids uh, who actually are high school age, one seventeen, one just turned 19, I think last week. One of the kids graduated at 16. Um, the rest of the kids are high school players. We probably have seven, eight, eight D1 players, and he might be one of them. Things have gone well. He's been contacted by a few schools. He's he said, hey, coach, come to see him. Um, uh, he's qualified to probably get into most of the colleges in the country. And, but, now he just started. We played three games, and um, all against post-grad teams. Almost every team we play is post-grad, except for some of like, the elite high school teams. We'll play IMG's national team and a few others like that. But he's grown almost 6'3 now in shoes, about 6'3. Um, recovered. He had broken his ankle in February. He recovered probably 80% from that. Um, not a hundred percent, but eighty percent. But he's really, he's really hit the gym. He's gotten very strong, and uh, he was he got all tournament team for our, for our last tournament. He probably didn't deserve it, but uh, he uh, they gave the award before our last game. He was not good in our last game, and we had another player who was better. I thought the kid was better all three games, but but Max played well, and the, the college coach that saw him, the head coach who saw him in the first game. Uh, surprised me and said we have a commitment from that position but he's visiting other schools and if he ends up committing elsewhere i want to recruit your son and it's a it's a good situation for him but other schools have called and, and now he's got i think we have 30 games left or so he's got to he's got to prove himself but he's working very hard on his body and his game and he's learning you know he's learning you have to you have to you have to be a college that wants a lead guard that isn't looking to shoot it every time um and he's that guy. He, he led our team in assists. It was the only one that actually had a positive assist to turnover ratio. Uh, and again, we're playing college age kids. So we have a couple, yeah. we start, we started a six year old junior and then we have another junior coming off the bench who, and we only had seven guys in the tournament. We had three guys injured. So, um, he's, he's coming along. We'll see how this year goes. Uh, I'm encouraged by his progress and his work ethic. And now we'll see how he does and all He's playing with a lot of mid and high major players in these games and if he holds his own it'll be really good for him 
All right. Well, good luck to him. And I'm interested in checking back in and seeing him on uh, CBS Sports app in a year and a half. Playing That'd be like, great. Uh, um, what is the Gulf, Florida Gulf Coast or something? Uh, I'm assuming you want him to stay close to home. He, no, no, just the opposite. I, I have no say oh. in the matter. My kids do it. My, yeah, I have twins now. He's a, he has a twin sister. She prefers in state. We visited a school out of state um, up in New Haven, Connecticut, and she, uh, she wants to stay in state, but um, Max wants to play out of state, and I think that's great. I could care less. Um, whatever's best for him. We'll we'll fly somewhere. We'll watch them on the internet or with TV, whatever. Um, but I don't want him to stay in state because he doesn't want it. So Florida Gulf Coast, yeah. we've talked to. We've talked to Florida Atlantic. Um, we've USF has been here. We you know we're by a lot of schools. But no, he wants to leave the state and, and he wants to be in an NBA city. He's, he really wants to run an NBA team one day. And so a big thing for him is he wants he likes big cities mm. a lot. Yeah, we we spent some time in New York this summer and he had the subway system figured out by day two. Like he just feels really comfortable in that environment. So hopefully it'll be uh, the right school, the right fit, but he's got, to play, he's got to play his way into it, and we'll see what happens. But he knows what to do, and now he's got to go do it. All right, awesome. Um, the Rockets, this is like the most yeah. interesting team to me right now because now Eric Gordon is out for six weeks. He's having knee surgery. They are already extremely thin. Depth was already an issue. Harden's not particularly playing his best ball, and he's still averaging 37 a night. Um, Westbrook looks rejuvenated. Capella's not been good. Um, there's a lot of a lot of questions surrounding this team. And then you look at it, and you're like, oh, they're 20th in defense, like third in offense. They're, it's not that bad. They're 7-3. Like We just look at the skies falling here, and it's just not the case. There are a lot more teams with bigger problems than what the Rockets are throwing out there every night. Um before we get into like the granular stuff with Harden and Gordon and Capella and stuff, but like, do you think the Rockets have real problems or do you think that people are overreacting to the way they're playing and just what's going on with that team to start the season? Oh, I think they have real problems, but they're, they're first world problems. I mean, they have James Harden on their team. So he solves <laughs> lots of issues, right? He, and yeah. especially when teams are dumb enough to keep fouling them. That's, that's the one so if I listed problems, that would be problem number one for me is at some point teams are going to, are going to just stop fouling him. And, uh, that's going to well, directly what impact. How, what is happening there for him to get to the line that much? How is he getting these calls more than anyone else? Even Giannis, like what is he doing that just, well, is yeah, there's a, couple, well, there's a couple things. So there's a couple things. So he gets three free throws every time he step back, he does his step back three or step sideways three. And defenders stupidly jump into him or, or, or land in his landing spot for he does. That's just stupid. It's just not smart. Now, he's brilliant. So I'm not, I'm not saying the players are stupid. I'm saying what they're doing is stupid, but he's outsmarting them. They need to just, they have to just acknowledge that, that they're not going to block his shot. And even if they do, it comes with too much of a risk because of the foul. There's no, so think about it this way. There is no, Worst defensive play in the game we have today than fouling a three-point shooter because it's the single best points-per-possession play an offense could possibly script. In other words, if you ran an offense and the end result was being fouled on a three-point shot and that happened every time, you would set the record for the greatest offense of all time. Okay? Yeah. Unless, of course, you have Andre Drummond shooting the free throw, which you wouldn't have. <laughs> so, so you can't do that. So they have to stop 
piling him there. The second thing is, he is, I think it's been measured. Now, not every player in the league measured, but of those that have been measured at a place like P3 in Santa Barbara, he's number one in the league at, or he is best at uh, decelerating most abruptly. And so even if he's not the best at accelerating most abruptly, I call him sudden starts and stops. He's good enough where he can stop so suddenly and start suddenly enough that you get thrown off. And he also is a complete genius at getting you to foul him. When that happens, he gets his body into you. Referees see that contact and call it. So uh, it's not just defense or defenders making mistakes because Harden's incredible, but it is, that is a, a factor. And so two things. One, if defenses do a better job of not fouling, their offense will plummet. Two, in the postseason, I think we can see that he just is not as effective at that for different reasons that we could talk about. And so either way, if you project them going forward, unlike a couple of years ago when I gave him a 50-50 shot to beat the Warriors two, two full seasons ago, I don't, I don't think it won't be the Warriors, but I don't think they're a serious threat based on the fact that they're just surviving mostly on Harden's incredible ability to get fouled. Uh, but their other their problems are deeper than that, though, because I don't I don't love the energy. They, I don't think they have energy guys on defense. I don't like their bench at all. Um, worry about Eric Gordon long term. Worry about how Westbrook and Harden are playing together right now. It's not going well. They absolutely might figure well, out. They might that not on the court together. What are you saying? Is it a lot of like Harden standing away when Westbrook has the ball? Because did you yeah, see a stat where like they're so damn fast, like they're faster than the the fastest Suns team with Nash and Amari, where their shots they're just averaging like twelve point something seconds per possession on offense. Like they're just moving at a blazing fast clip. It's it's wild. Yeah, I think Harden's resting during those times. And uh, I don't think Westbrook is the player that he used. I know he's not the player he has been. And um, I, I just don't trust him. I, I thought that they would do a, I thought they would try different ways to get Westbrook into like the pinch post and maybe post him up more because he can't shoot. Um, and, uh, and that's not happening. And I, I don't know long-term how well, I think they're, I think in the honeymoon phase right now. So this, to me, this is about as good as you're going to get, but it, the only qualification I'd make is I happen to think that GM is great. Unfortunately, he's dealing with a very stressful situation and may ultimately lose his job out of it. You don't know. Whereas, you know, if they go seven and six or seven, three now, let's say they lose three straight. He might get fired and he would not have had that issue a year ago. So that's a stressful thing for my friend, I'm friends with Daryl. And, um, uh, but I, but if he is empowered to, to do what he normally does, He'll find a way to get the team better, and he needs to, because I, 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 I don't. That team is not a finished product to compete with some of the teams we're seeing in the West right now, long term. Yeah, it doesn't feel great, and I'm just trying to figure out what the what the solution is midseason. Like, how do you not waste Harden averaging close to 40 points a game this year? Like, what is what can you do? Is it? I mean, you were a big Capella guy a couple of years ago. We've talked yeah, about him for a couple of years. Yeah. Is, is yeah. he worse this year? Because it seems like everybody's just out on Capella. Normally, I've, I've not studied him that closely, but normally he's a slow starter, as is James Harden, uh, yeah. for whatever reason. And, and we can only guess as to what the reason is. But he really came on Capella very strong last year. 
And um, and I think that he likely will again. Yeah, he, to me, he's not I, he's not a, he's not a worry for me. Their bench is a big worry for me. Uh, they they don't have a Trevor Reza. Well, he's he, I I think he made some mistakes. The people he's brought in, I, I didn't yeah. understand why he signed Tom Cephalosha. To me, yeah. they need they need energy guys. They need uh, super competitive guys. They really know how to play. They need great cutters because Westbrook and Harden are going to draw so much attention. I know everyone's talking about shooting, and I get it, but uh, uh, they are screwed if they're not making their threes because they're not going to get it done defensively, and they're not going to get a ton of energy with guys cutting and ducking and, and, and just getting almost like making the circuit. Um, and I like some Houston teams that had that with Harden, and this team does not have that. They're kind of dead, in my opinion. But they rallied last year. I wouldn't be surprised if they rally. I just don't think they can make up the ground they need to make for what's out there in the West. It's not just one team anymore. The Harden stuff is just so interesting because I think we're now like underselling just how crazy it is that he's averaging 37 a night, right? Like, is there something about him when you watch him where it's like his physical frame? Because like, I feel like this would break down most guys, but is there something about just the way he's built and the way he's actually just, like you said, he's brilliant that there's just the perfect combination of the right physical frame with the right brilliance to ensure that someone like Harden can average 40 a night for months at a time in the NBA in 2019. Well, you're, the, the, yeah, the other factor, the most important factor probably is his skill. Uh, uh, James Harden has become, you know, one of the best ball handlers in the world. I watch games all day. I'll be watching games tomorrow starting at 11 o'clock in the morning. I'm in the G league. Uh, I have games in Europe uh, in the afternoon that I watch Euro Cup games. I watch a yearly game on Friday. Uh, I watch games everywhere. He's amongst the top few ball handlers in the world. He might be left-hand dominant, but it doesn't matter. So when you combine that skill with his shooting skill, his shot-making ability as he, as he attacks for buckets, and his deceleration talent, like it, that's you know just incredibly gets its score. And now you factor in the pace, which has been slow the last few years. I thought. I thought playing fast would be a good thing, especially with Russell. And so I think that's good. Uh, I, I, it can be problematic if they don't get deeper down the stretch because yeah. uh, those guys, I think, are going to wear down a little bit. How close is Kyrie? Oh, he's right there. Yeah, ball handler? Yeah, he's Yeah, as a ball not handler, a just Harden the way is. he finishes and everything else, where it's just yeah, like, he's he just seems like the natural guy to replace Harden in this Houston role. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, I mean, smaller than Harden. Uh, and, yeah. um, it's, it's hurt. Hard. Like if you watch him around the rim, he doesn't, like, he avoids contact. Like, he's really smart around the rim, and he's just, that's why he doesn't go to the line all that much. It, like, Harden. yeah. Harden's just so much better at taking the contact. Kyrie probably knows that, like, I can't take the kind of contact right. that Harden takes every night. Right. It's, it, uh, it, it, he may, he may, but he also is very good at getting shots off. He, I mean, he's an incredibly gifted player. He, I, I'm not his biggest fan as an impact winner, uh, yeah. but I also allow that he can grow up and change, and people do grow up and change all the time. And the Nets have had a great culture. I'm not sure it's great right now, but this culture has been one of their real assets the last couple of years. And so in time, it might, it might turn around, and, and, and that'll really help. That, that, Kyrie will help them as a player. The culture will, will help him as a player. So it's a good combination of the workout. Dwight. Um, so I tweeted out in August coach, um, that I thought it was ridiculous that the Lakers were considering Dwight over Joakim Noah as their, uh, just their third big, that kind of guy who they can bring in for 12 minutes a night. I was like, Joakim Noah was legitimately good 
for the Grizzlies last year. Like he was a legitimately good player. He's someone who knows his role. He's a good passer. He can defend really well still at this point in his career. Dwight, I just wasn't convinced would ever just put it all together and realize he's not the same guy anymore and this, that, and the other. He's been really good. The offensive and defensive ratings have been great for him through 10 games um, in Lakerland. Is there, what do you notice about Dwight? Are people overreacting to his impact? Are people overreacting to his start? Like what, what have you seen um, from this Dwight? And um, is there anything that you kind of, you're just like, Oh, I kind of remember that from his time in Orlando. Uh, so, you know, I'm a partner with truehoop.com and, and, and I write typically one, one article a week there. And, uh, I, I, he was my feature article a week ago, uh, last Friday. Um, I studied him a lot. In fact, as we're talking, I'm watching him, uh, I guess the sun. Uh, so he, I, I don't disagree with your tweet. Uh, I have, I've worked with Joe Kim Noah. I, I actually went to Florida. I followed that team. That was the last college team I followed, really, was, was his back-to-back national champion. Uh, I watched him very closely when he was a player in the Bulls, and, of course, I watched him last season, many of his games with the Grizzlies, and I agree with you. Uh, going into those workouts that the Lakers held, I would have picked Joakim over Dwight Howard 10 times out of 10, but I didn't see the workout. And I don't know what yeah. kind of mind frame, you know, Joakim is, and I have no idea. Dwight looks like Farouk Aminu, which I wrote, he, he, he's lost some of his mass, and it's helped him. He's, he's got some bounce back. He's got some energy, and I think he's been helped. Uh, I think he made a big mistake in his career that, that he'll never get back. He, he, he and those Magic screwed themselves. They, you know, go back a little bit. That Magic team that lost the Lakers in five games, who started Jameer Nelson uh, in a good part of his career, Richard Lewis, a little bit at the, at, the, at the back end, but still very effective. Dwight, still coming as a player. Hito Turkoglu led the league in fourth quarter scoring, was a very interesting player. Uh, and Courtney Lee was a rookie. And Otis Smith decided to trade Courtney. Courtney and Dwight Howard were best friends. And I know because I trained Courtney for a long time. And I had him in college even, so I knew all about this going in. Uh, Courtney actually got uh, robbed as a rookie, burglared, burglarized pretty badly. And it shook him up, and he moved in with Dwight at his house. And I thought that was uh, – and they wow. became best friends. And uh, I thought that, um, oh, my God, this team – and I was thrilled because I live, man, you know, 100 minutes away from the arena. And so it was an easy drive for me at, at night. They play at 7. So you, you leave a little bit before rush hour. You get home by midnight at the latest. If you stay and talk to the players and – I could see my kids the next morning. I saw them come up from school, and, and I was there to see them the next morning. It was great. And I thought they'd been doing this for 10 years. And Otis Smith traded Courtney for Vince Carter, and it, it, never, it never was the same. And Dwight was an underrated player then. He was obviously the three-time back-to-back-to-back defensive player of the year. Uh, he was not the post player that Akeem Olajuwon was or Shaq was, and people denigrated him for that, but they were wrong. He was a very good low post scorer. Great weekend. His left hand was very good around the rim. Uh, brilliant defensive player and an easy guy to get along with. He wasn't, he didn't have any issues. And then I think bouncing around, I think he lost his identity and struggled. He, he, he wasn't, and Sam McGundy's a very good coach. Uh, what happened in Detroit notwithstanding, he's a very good coach. And they had a good plan there. And it just changed when he kept bouncing around. He never could have that again. And so now, he just has to be a role player. 
And I think he, I, with, with LeBron and Anthony Davis, and it's being Los Angeles. He's just a dude. And I think that's really good. And because I, he seems like he's got his bounce back, um, I mean, there was a time where he was just a really elite athlete for his size. And uh, I think he's pretty close to that. So we'll see if he holds up. I have no idea. But he is competing as I'm watching. He, I, I remember watching one thing with Orlando that I still see now. He would race up and down, not race, but run up and down and up and down and, and just never touch the ball uh, because they had a bunch of other good players. And it, it didn't matter to him. He never complained for a long period of time, especially in that, in that great run. Uh, and so now I watch him in L.A., and it's kind of the same thing. Like he just got a big offensive rebound put back. Uh, he got fouled trying to put it back, uh, which is going to be an adventure watching two free throws right now. But he's, he's back to being that guy. Just I'll keep running, and if you guys throw it to me, great. And if you don't, whatever. And it's just it's what the Lakers need for sure. And, uh, I, I, you know, as long as he stays healthy. He also is a very underrated screen setter. And I'm glad the NBA tracked green assist. And I've not looked to see where he ranks, but I've watched a lot of the games. He, he's not just a very good screener. He's a very willing one. Like, he wants to set screens. And Anthony Davis doesn't want to play center. So Dwight Howard, actually, just what I wrote last week, very important player for LA because uh, both McGee and he can make sure that, that Davis doesn't play much center, and that would make him LeBron went out there expecting Davis to stay there long term. And we don't know what's going to happen. So it, it needs to go well for Davis to resign there. Yeah. Have you, what do you think's going on? Why do you think Joe Kim Noah is not signed? Oh, I have no, you know, no uh, I, I, you could call me biased for sure about Joe Kim Noah and Corey Brewer. But uh, I, I, I tr- I've been doing this a long time and I'm normally pretty good at being uh, very abject and, and objective, objective about my players that I've helped, I don't understand it. I watched Brewer and I watched Noah. I don't know where Noah finished in defensive plus minus. I know it was very high. I think at the end of the season, okay, I think at the end of the season for shooting guards, Brewer was third. Covington was second. Uh, For a while he was fourth, but they sometimes changed the algorithm and he moved to third. Like he was an unbelievable defensive player in Sacramento and, and Philadelphia. He and could really I, use him. I, I of course I get that that was like they find Cephalosha. It was between Cephalosha and Brewer, and I think Daryl made a big mistake. And I, I texted that to him. Uh, I don't understand it. I texted a few teams. I don't understand the, these teams that are trying to win champs. They're playing guys that maybe one day might be their ninth man. They, they're not good enough now, but it's not like they project to be great players. And you got a guy that brings so much energy with so much. People don't realize about Corey and Joe King, or some of the two of the smartest basketball players. Really brilliant minds. Corey's going to be a head coach one day, maybe in the NBA, maybe in college, but he has an unbelievable mind for the game. He to- he's totally selfless. He plays with incredible energy, and uh, he sent me some – he actually came to see me a couple times this summer. Still jumps out of the gym, still the fastest guy on the court, races everywhere. He's a game changer and doesn't need the ball to change the game. And Joe King is similar. Uh, and you can, you, you know, Joaquin's offense last year wasn't good for Memphis, but their offense is terrible. On the right team, he'd be fine. You could run stuff through him. He's such a great passer. Both those guys, I absolutely think, could help a team. And the other thing, too, is that as much as we denigrate centers now, you need big guys in the postseason. It's the reason why the Warriors kept so many a couple of years ago. Uh, you, you can't not have that as an option. 
So I actually think he will get picked up, and I think Corey will too, especially after December 15 when teams can kind of move. But it's a miss. I just watch the game every night, and there's so many players out here that won't be on a team by year's end or next year. And meanwhile, you could have someone like Brewer know and, and help your team win right now. And the, the race in the West is so tight. Every loss is going to count towards your seeding. And I think teams are losing games they wouldn't be losing if they had better, more veteran players. Well, that's interesting. This isn't in my notes, but you you mentioned that this is something like you need those big bodies come playoff time. And this is always like a disconnect between uh, basketball Twitter and coaches and uh, GMs. And it, it's interesting because there does seem to be a strong disconnect because I will gladly say the guy was one of those people that didn't really understand why the Warriors had so many bigs and were so thin on the wing. And it, I thought it was just kind of absurd. They just had... Anderson Barajal and so many different dudes in there. What is it about the playoffs that you see that are like, okay, this is why these guys matter in the playoffs? What what is the disconnect? What are we missing? Well, if you if you have a big that understands how to play, there there is a a condition of rim protection that just cannot be met by anyone in the world that isn't a big except for Draymond Green. You you have to have a big body get in the way. You really, it's not about shot blocking. It's just get in the way. And if you are in a postseason, you know the other team's call as well as they do. You know exactly what they're supposed to do, and you know how to defend it. And they're going to counter it, and maybe you'll get the counter, maybe you won't. But either way, you want to make sure as often as possible you got a big guy in the middle of the rim, you know, in the paint area, clogging things up to make it tough to finish. Uh, and when you don't have that, it's, you're, it's just very hard uh, to, to, to be able to lock these guys down and when they counter what, what you, when you, how you're defending them. That's one, that's one thing. Uh, I'm a big believer. People never talk about offensive rebounds, but uh, I think possessions are a huge factor in the postseason for the same reason I was just saying. Uh, they just, you're just not going to get a lot of your best stuff that you've been running all year. You're going to tweak your stuff. You're going to, you're going to run counters that they haven't seen. You're going, to, you're going to run an action they've seen before because you started with a different set. They're not totally sure it's coming. It only works one time. Because once they get it on film, the scouts knows the call. I sat with advanced scouts at playoff games. And the, the moment, I remember watching the Pistons play a team, play in Orlando. And Chauncey Bills was the Pistons point guard. And I was with, I think, an advanced scout from the Bulls. We were sitting together. And Chauncey lifted his hand up and did something with his hand. And right away, the advanced scout, while he was walking up the court, the advanced scout clicked on the call, showed me on the video while he's crossing half court and said, okay, here's what they did two weeks ago on this call. And then we looked to see how they had changed the alignment because they had. They changed things a little bit. Uh, and so that's how prepared these teams are. The fans don't really understand that. So how do you win? You shoot better. I have always believed that. The team that happens to shoot better has a, has a huge advantage. And the team that gains more possessions, well, how do you do that? Defensive steals, which is one reason why I love Brewer so much. He's just such a maniac at creating havoc defensively. And then offensive rebounds. I'm a big believer in that. I think, I think if you have the much more dominant team, it doesn't mean as much. But so many teams are separated by so small a margin. Uh, if you want to take it out of who shoots better wins, then make sure you find a way to get more possessions. Interesting. I like it. Um, 
Portland, they're four and six right now. They're they're struggling. Um, Dame's also putting up ridiculous numbers this year. Um, what is ailing Portland in your opinion? Is it just Nurkic, well, Whiteside yeah, sucking? And and Harkless, and they lost yeah. Curry, right? Uh, yeah. I think they even lost one more guy. Um, they uh, and so yeah, they're. I, I thought they'd be better. Uh, Whiteside's actually not been terrible. He, he talk, the team's not playing well with him, but he's had some moments. But he's you know he's a he may be a really smart guy, but no one's ever given me a high IQ basketball player for lots of reasons. I don't know how interested he is in winning, and they really had something special with Nurkic. They've got a they've got a they've got a float around five hundred, and I hope Nurkic comes back healthy. And then I think they might have a deal to, to do, although it might it might cost CJ McCollum. Um, uh, but they might have to do it because they game is so special. I, I hate to see them uh, with the West loaded the way it is. That they're not likely to be a top four seed. They're not likely to be on the first round, and I, I hate that for Damian. So uh, if Nurkin can get back healthy, um, I think they, I, that's another team where I was really surprised they didn't, they didn't take Corey uh, because I think they need athleticism off the bench. They, they lost some athletic guys, and uh, uh, you know their, their first-round pick isn't playing. Uh, um, the little kid, uh, I think that's your little they have. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's kind of a one-and-a-half, two-man team right now, which it's been before. You know, when they lost Nurkic, that's what it was. I, I, I didn't love Hood either. I know he played well, but I, I thought it was a bit of fool's gold uh, for the playoffs. And, and I, don't, I haven't looked at his stats, but when I watched the play the other day. 50% from three this year. So that's good, yeah. But what's he doing overall? How's he scoring? Mm. He's, I mean, he's still only averaging 10 a night, but it's, he's only playing, he's playing 29 minutes. He's just not getting shots. Like, that's the other thing is like guys like him, when you have Lillard and McCollum in your backcourt, there's not a lot of shots to go around. Like Lillard and McCollum are getting 42 shots up a night. Just think, so, yeah, like, this half, is, it's not a lot of half, shots. Like yeah. it doesn't really matter yeah. what your guards but are. That, like, there's but, just, this, yeah. but this is my point. So Jay, this is my point. So on that team, who do you have that's going to buy your team possessions? And who do you have that's going to get raced out dunks that doesn't require a load of CJ to set you up? That to me is a big issue is, mm-hmm. uh, is, is creating those easy shots that aren't created by those two guys who are already doing enough. Um, this is where I think that um, they've got, uh, I just think teams that they sleep on that and they're, they're so focused on getting nothing but shooters. And I love shooters, but uh, not at the expense of having no fast athletes, in a game of basketball that plays as fast as it is now, I think that's a mistake. The perfect for me is a combination of shooters and athletes, and I don't think they have that. I will say I'm all in on Anthony Simons. The 20, love him. How much you've watched him. He's good. Love, no, like yeah, his he's here. so fluid. He's, he's amazing. I watched he's him super night. athletic. Yeah, I've written it. They've got, to, they've got to find 25 minutes a game for him. Uh, and they're doing that mostly. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah. He's, He's a, I, I actually thought if the Pelicans wanted uh, the best haul for, for, for uh, Anthony Davis that didn't include the Lakers, because I thought they should, I love Brandon Ingram, and I thought a year ago I wrote uh, uh, they should trade for Brandon Ingram. And, and all, I, like a year ago, they could have had, as soon as he said he wanted to be traded, they could have had Ingram and Hart and Ball and Kuzma and Zubac. Zubac, they could have had all of them. And, uh, and once that didn't happen, to me, the best trade was for Portland. Uh, if you were going to do an L.A. trade, and I, wa- I wanted Collins and Simons 
and uh, and Harkless in a draft pick. And because I think Anthony Simon is going to be a terrific player. He's going to be really, really good. And I think Zach Collins is really good too when he's hurt. Yeah. He's gone for months. He's, he's gone. Um, Wiggins. Yeah. What do I do with yeah. this? I canceled him out a long time ago. I, I don't I don't know what to make of this. The the Timberwolves are good. A lot of that is just Carl Anthony Towns. If you look at their just rotation minutes and who's doing what, it's the town show to an unreal degree. Like what he's actually doing carrying this team is just like the he's basically doing like the big version of James Harden. That's, yeah, that's yeah, what it reminds right. me of. And he, yeah, he's amazing. Gerson Rosas is over there in Minnesota yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's basically I know what they're doing. So well. right? Yeah. Yeah. So Wiggins, I studied him. I'm not going to write about him a little bit this week. I've always studied him a little bit, but one thing that they've done a nice job of is what's one of the things that kept him from being an all-star is he, he's not skilled with the ball as a dribble. And it's really a requirement for, for those positions now. Um, yeah. Unless you're just a super elite shooter, which is not like Clay Thompson. Clay's fundamentally yeah. sound dribbling, but he's an amazing shooter. Wiggins isn't either. So, uh, but he's a, obviously an elite athlete, one of the best in the league. Um, should be the pass not only if you have to ran hard. So what they've done this year offensively is I've noticed, and I don't know if it's more than last year, it seems like more to me, a lot more downhill handoffs, which is something he needs because he can't just get downhill off the dribble all the time. But on a handoff, which is very hard to guard, he can. And he's gotten really good at dealing with it, like standing off it, stopping and shooting, shooting the three if you go under, under the handoff and he's behind three. It, it's been an effective tool for them. It seems may adjust how they defend it, but uh, I was crazy. Uh, Dwight, uh, Dwight just had a big alley-oop. I was a crazy Andrew Wiggins fan when he came out of Kansas. I saw him play in high school. Actually, I scouted a game tonight at the same high school. I saw Joel Embiid play Wiggins in a game there when they were, when they were in uh, high school. And Wiggins carried himself such class, uh, uh, just a ton of talent. He could post up. And um, I thought if he could ever learn to dribble and shoot, he's going to be an all-star. And he just hasn't. So he found other ways to be effective. He's shooting better this year, at least in some of the games I've watched. Um, but I'm not at all ready to say it's, 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 he's, he's turned the switch. He might have. He wouldn't be the first guy to finally figure it out. But I'm not ready to say he has yet. It, it looks good now. It's gotta, he's got to keep doing it. To me, he looks like he's figured out how to be Rudy Gay, which is fine, but it's just well, not it's better than like, better than sucking. It's what he. It's better than what he was. Yeah, he's improved. Um, yeah, Rudy is another one of those guys that I, I thought Rudy was smooth, and I I'd want him to like I I I sent my son a video clip just now of a of a borderline NBA player. He's in the league, but he may not be there for long, and he was playing an exhibition game this this off season against a team that wasn't in the NBA, and it was kind of a loose ball. And as I'm watching it just now, right before we talked on the phone, I watched it, and uh, I thought the other team was going to get the loose ball because I've watched 8 million of those in my life. And normally I'm pretty fantastic at knowing who's going to get the ball first based on just 8 million you know, uh, uh, moments of experience watching it. The only time I've ever really been wrong a lot is Dwayne Wade's rookie year because he was just way faster than almost anyone I've ever watched and way more aggressive. And this, and this kid, who's, like I said, a borderline player, an exhibition game against a, against a non-NBA team, uh, got the loose ball and, and immediately made a pass for a team to dunk it. And I, I grabbed the clip and I said it to my son. And I said, if you can make this play, this kid had no chance to get the loose ball, but he just wanted it so desperately 
The other team wanted the ball. He had to have the ball. And he got it, and his team got a dunk from it. Rudy Gay and Andrew Wiggins have never made that. They don't often make that play. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, my first ever NBA client, uh, uh, Udonis Housen with the Heat, way back in 2003, he did make that play often. I used to always say he would take a, a, a 20-80 ball and make it a 50-50 ball. And he would take a 50-50 ball and make it an 80-20 ball. Again, going back to the same thing I talked to you before about possession being so valuable. So if Rudy Gay and Andrew Wiggins could ever get that, or Max Thorpe for that matter, my son, where, where you're turning loose balls that probably aren't going to be yours into half the time they are, unbelievably valuable for your team. And, and Rudy, I mean, Pop's gotten the most out of you could possibly get probably in San Antonio. Uh, maybe maybe the, the new people in Minnesota have done that for Dwight, I'm sorry, for Andrew, uh, early enough in his career where it becomes a habit. But right now, it's two weeks in the season, I'm not prepared to say it's a habit yet. I'm not either. We'll have to see. Um, Luca, do you think he's a legitimate MVP candidate this year? No. No, they won't win enough games. But if you had asked me, uh, I, I always thought, that I, I watched him this whole last year in the EuroLeague when they won the championship. I actually watched the ACB and the EuroLeague that season. So I was very familiar with him. And I, I said he's going to be an all-star fast. I wrote he's going to be all-star fast. I never thought he'd be league MVP. I thought he could be finals MVP or any playoff series. In other words, you could be good enough to be the best player in a series. I'm not convinced he's ever, I wasn't convinced he's ever been good enough to be the best player over 82 games. And based on what I've seen, I still feel that way, but not because he isn't amazing. There's just a lot of amazing. So um, I, I think he could be the best player on a team that wins uh, a championship. Uh, I, I don't get a lot of probability for that. Uh, he could be close, uh, but he's just not going to – I just don't think he'll put enough numbers up considering what's out there um, unless his team is the number one seed. And then I think he could be MVP of the league. I guess I probably should should clean that up. Yeah, if his team's the best team in the league and he's averaging near a triple-double um, and playing good defense especially, he could be MVP. I don't give it a high probability rate. But he could win a championship and he could be the finals MVP for sure. He's spectacular. He's amazing. He's RJ, very gifted. RJ Barrett. He's someone who had a disastrous summer league. He's playing a lot of minutes. He's like top five in the league in minutes. Fizdale's apparently on his way out because the New York Knicks just can't get out of their own way. Um, is he playing well? Like his numbers aren't bad. Like he's at, like from what I've seen, he's not terrible. And they're using him in the way that like you have to see with these guys. It goes back to the Wiggins thing where you want to see them bring the ball up. You want to see how they dribble. You want to see these wings where it's like, if you can be a lead ball handler, you can dribble, you can create, you can play solid defense. Like there's an avenue to you being a star and being worth the number three overall pick. But if you can't, you need to be on the outside looking in, like in the Harrison Barnes role, then like, oh, we, we fucked up. Like, I, I don't know. It's still very early, obviously, with RJ Barrett. But do you think you've seen enough where it's like, oh, maybe? Oh, yeah, I would say maybe. I'm watching him play right now. He, uh, they're playing the Bulls. Um, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm skeptical. Uh, he lacks some quickness that I think is really important for that position. And, um, the, the equalizer would be power, which he might get. He's a big kid. I actually was at a Starbucks this summer and he, he was in the Starbucks. He's a big dude, um, in New York City. Uh, or shooting. 
right? Bucket getting, shooting. Like if he could be an elite bucket getter, shooter, um, the Knicks are going to be just fine. Like even if he lacks some quickness, they'll be just, they'll be just fine. Because if he can really score twenty something a night uh, efficiently in the next couple of years, then they'll be fine. I don't know. It's such a it's such a screwed up franchise. I actually wrote about them this summer because Kevin Knox is from here. He's from Tampa. I watched him grow up since he was fifteen. He should be an all star. He's an unbelievably talented player uh, with a good work ethic. I don't know if it's a great work ethic, but he's got a good one. Uh, and um, and he's actually shooting pretty well this year, but. Uh, the article I wrote this summer, I actually had, we had an artist draw a picture, paint a picture of two different like rivers. And the, the example I, I've always used, and our founder, Henry Abbott, and I talked about this a ton. Uh, I told him, uh, if you think about a player's development as, 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 on his team, and you think of the team as a river. So if you and I are the exact same player talent-wise, all right, but your river flows faster than mine, and we're both in a canoe, like you're going to beat me every time. Your river's faster than mine. Uh, it's, it's flowing faster. I can't beat you. Uh, and I think the Knicks have, this, have a river that almost flows backwards. They, they inhibit the, the, the development of their player. And so until they get that fixed, I have deep concerns. I mean, Frank Nikitina, when he was playing well for France this summer, and people thought, okay, we, where he's back. No, 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 no. He ain't playing in France. It's the NBA. And it's the Knicks, and he thinks again. And uh, Kevin Knox is definitely doing better, and he's there. He's a young guy. Um, things can change, but I just, you know, I don't trust him. And the Fizdale comment, it's just such a stupid comment. I think you, I think Fizdale's comment about load management was really more, but I just don't feel like talking about it. Um, I think that was the biggest. I just don't feel like talking about it anymore. But um, it's just dumb to, to think that you, you don't have to think long term. If I, if, you know, if, if I was RJ's parents, I would think, well, we want our guy to be playing 15 years. Why, why are you killing him when they're not going to win anyway? And there's a law of diminishing returns when you're exhausted. I'm sorry. 30 minutes a night, 32, it's just fine. Those extra eight minutes, it's not going to help him get better. It's not going to make him tougher. not going to make him smarter. It's just going to wear him down faster in the season, the game, in the season, in his career. And it just makes no sense to me. But, uh, uh, you know, that, that's, again, an example of why it's the worst franchise in the league right now or amongst the few worst anyway. The team that you're close by, um, the Orlando Magic, we've seen this story before, I think, with Steve Clifford, where they have this breakout year and the offense falls off a cliff the next year and they miss the playoffs and then he gets fired. Um, their offense right now is 29th in offensive rating through 10 games. Uh, they took out DJ Augustine from the starting lineup, who was really good for them last year and put in Markel Fultz, who is shooting 18% from three, like less than 50% effective field goal percentage, not getting to the line less than two attempts a game. He's been awful. Um, Jonathan Isaac's still getting a lot of blocks. He's doing stuff. Mo Bamba's development looks like it's stunted. Um, they have a lot of questions. Like, how do you how do you fix Orlando? Or at the very least, how do you fix that offense? Oh, you just put DJ back in the spring lineup. That'd be easy. You know, I, I don't, I don't understand know what that was, thinking. to just try and motivate Fultz, but like I don't know. I don't about motivate. You, you, I, I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. I, I'm confused uh, because I thought they could really make a run this year at, at fighting for the Final Four in the East anyway, and give luck a chance to happen. Guys get hurt, and some, you know Giannis goes down, and you could beat that team. But um, so I don't know what they're thinking. But what I've wanted, and I've written this, is I want them to trade for Chris Paul. Mm. I'd like. I think that I would trade Mobile. I mean, you could play with it some, but I would. 
You're going to have to get rid of some players, uh, obviously. You don't trade Jonathan Fournier's Isaac. Fournier's out. Yes. You don't trade Jonathan Isaac. And uh, you're going to have to give a pick away, too. But, um, but you know, Oklahoma City, you, you, you might be able to get something back out of it, too, because uh, there's not that many teams that would take Chris Paul. But uh, I'm Chris Paul, Washington, I play for Oklahoma City. You know, it's just a disaster. And I think that it, he, he because right? Yeah, they, they got blown out. I, when I turned it off, the Pacers were up by 20-something. Uh, the, uh, the Magic, he becomes the face of the franchise. Uh, he's already, they're already, they, they probably go to top two in the, in the league defensively. Jonathan Isaac is an unbelievable defensive player. Unbelievable. He, he's, going to be, he's going to be the youngest guy ever maybe to win defensive player of the year that isn't a center. Like, that's possible. That's how good of a defensive player he is. And, uh, and still learning how to play offense. But, uh, and you might, by the way, you might have to trade up, you trade false In fact, I would. Let Oklahoma City see if they can develop more because they want to lose anyway. You don't want to lose. So, so include false in that. That's a lot of money. And, and just build around Aaron Gordon and Booch and Chris Paul and Jonathan Isaac and Terrence Ross you probably could keep. Uh, uh, you, you hate to lose Bamba, but it, it, it immediately makes you relevant. And then DJ off the bench, you've got two point guards. I know how to play. And I, I think it, may, it gets them into relevancy. And I don't know that there's any other way to get it. I don't know there's any other way uh, uh, because it's not going to happen organically, in my opinion. They, they have to make a move like that. to and maybe, and, But you've you got to make sure Chris Paul is excited. And you're telling Chris, we, we don't want to trade you. Like we want to we see if we can't get to the finals of the East with this core group, with you being our captain, our leader, and you'll finish your career here at least into this context over it's a lot of money, but I just don't see what else they're going to get. He, Chris Paul is still a hell of a player and you don't got to play him that much. You can play him 20 minutes if you want, because you can DJ can cover the rest. And, uh, that's, that's, I think they need something like that. Um, I, I don't know if they will, they probably won't, but that's, that's what I think they could do to immediately, you know, I would have done that immediately, but they can do it, you know, by 10, 15 and, and immediately jump into, um, you know, back in a, uh, a serious playoff scene because he makes all those guys better. Last thing, and then we'll go. Um, Toronto, Kyle Lowry's out now, but they've gotten off to a great start. Pascal's getting MVP chance. Um, Ujiri's getting linked to the Knicks job like he does. That, yeah, don't believe that. Don't believe that. The New York Knicks are not yeah, announcing. close to him, so that's bullshit. We can go ahead and yeah. say on the podcast. Well, I, I, didn't talk, I didn't talk to the about it. I just am telling you the New York Knicks are not announcing to anyone that we're going to go make an offer to the Maasai like they want to get into a bidding war. It makes no sense. It just, I never, all that stuff is just, that's an agent doing talking, right? If they, if they want to, deals are normally done and no one knows about it. As soon as someone knows about it, it changes everything. So, so I wouldn't even look at that. But go ahead, you were talking about Kyle being heard, Pascal being MVP. Yeah, I just, I, it's interesting because OG shooting like almost 50% from three and I'm a big OG and an OB guy. Yeah. Um, Prevent Fleet's obviously awesome for them. They have no depth. Like it's so weird looking at this team because I've watched two of their games this year. And what we love so much about the Raptors for years was just how much depth they had. They just didn't have that right star. They had DeRozan and Kyle, but they had like 12 deep. Now Kawhi's gone and they don't have a star and they also don't have depth anymore. Like they're five deep. Now basically four with their injuries and they're surviving. And it's extremely fascinating. I can't pinpoint whether or not they're going to be able to keep this going 
for the rest of the season. I'm annoyed that they don't have a star because this core is still so damn good that I think if they did have a top 10 player somewhere in that lineup, they'd win the East again. It's just, they don't have it. And they're still playing hard. They know they can't win a championship this year and they, they don't give a damn. I, I very much appreciate who the 2019-2020 Toronto Raptors are. So they do have a star, right? They do have a star. So they have one star. And then when well, Lowry tells me... Is he a top 10? It, would you put Pascal in your top 10 in the NBA? I mean, probably not, but, but he's still yeah. a star. He, he's still well, a that's guy. That's what I mean. I, like I, guys who can actually be the best player on a title contender. Like can you be? Can he be the best player on a team that wins a title? And so, I don't think so. so. I, I would not say that he couldn't. It's possible because you're not playing the finals in November. By True. by by June. So in other words, if they added two really good players and Siakam was their best player, they could win a championship. In my opinion, uh, hmm. uh, Lowry's a star. Gasol's fantastic in his role. Uh, I it's another team where I, in fact, I and I text with but I, I can't believe they didn't go after Corey. It makes no sense to me at all. Uh, I thought he would have been perfect for uh, their team off the bench with energy. And they have other guys that they thought would work out. It's not working out right now. But, but they do a good they're, – they're, they're obviously a very good franchise. And so they'll develop their guys better than most others will. And um, it's good to see OG back. That's you know, amazing they won last year without him. Because he would have been helpful too for Depp. Um, but Siakam to me is special. Van Vliet has been up and down. Uh, when he's up, he's terrific. If he stays up, it's a game changer for them. I mean, let's face it, he, he – he was fantastic when he did the most last postseason. If he gets to near that level, it's a much different story. And Siakam is one of those, you know, if we talk about top 10, uh, it's unfair. If we talk about top 10 wings that, that are built to dominate postseason, he's in there. Because he can be your best offensive player and guard the other team's best offensive player. And you're very comfortable. And I, what, what really did it for me with him was, uh, I, uh, I thought that if he could score on Draymond Green, the Warriors were in trouble when Durant was already out to begin with. Because at this point, Clay was healthy. I still thought the Warriors would win the series, but I thought it'd be four or five games, even without Durant, if everyone was healthy, unless the Siakam could score on everyone the Warriors had. And in game one, we saw that he could. The right that I thought that it would be the Warriors in six. I, th- I think they were the superior team. Obviously, when Clay went down, that was that. But, uh, and especially the way it all happened. But, uh, but Siakam did one thing that almost nobody like him can do, which is he scored on Draymond pretty easily. That was shocking to me. It's because he's so long. He's just so long and, um, and quick and skilled. He can shoot it now. So, uh, no, he's, he's a special, special dude. And, uh, I hope they, I hope they continue to upgrade because it's fun to have, you know, we want Siakam to play with great players and compete for championships. I'm excited. I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to be real players. Like they're going to be the sneaky team that gets another star. Where like they saw that Kawhi was able to do it. Like I wouldn't rule out Giannis there. I mean, AD should seriously consider them next summer. I think it would be silly for him not to. And also just thinking about what AD and Pascal would look like. Just (laughs) AD's only leaving LA if they are good this year. This was a deal they made last year. LeBron James is not signing a multi-year deal unless he knew AD was coming. Uh, and, and they'd have to do badly this year. And right now they're not. They're good. They're very, very good. It might be great. Uh, Rondo, I think, is really going to help them. He's playing tonight. Um, I think that uh, uh, AD is, is stuck there. The Giannis situation, I just have no clue about. 
It, it wouldn't, nothing would surprise me about him. Nothing. Going to Toronto would not surprise me one bit. Bam Milwaukee would not surprise That might be a little more surprising, but still not surprising. Um, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be an unbelievable thing situation. He's incredible. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, and Toronto deserves nice things for how they've operated yeah. and how they've constructed contenders. And they're just a smart team. And Nick Nurse is a really good coach. So I want to see him get a nice start again soon. Um, yeah, I get it. Right, yeah, Nick is huge for them. Yeah. And they're yeah, he's, a, he's a great they're, coach. Yeah. Um, so what can we check out from you this week? Is there anything you want to plug before we get out of here? So, yeah. So uh, normally on Tuesdays, Truth.com, we send, you know, we're, we're a newsletter based media company right now. Uh, so you yeah, uh, get it. Oh, great. So Henry, Henry's piece today, like I thought last week, and, I, and I'm happy to say this of the, whatever number of articles he's written, 40, whatever it is, 35 since we started, my, my ideas were represented zero times this <laughs> today. If you read it today yet, if you haven't Chase, you're going to love it. Um, last week he wrote what I asked him to write, which was a comment based on, with an article based on Fizzo's comment, because Henry has spent years studying the, the load management story and the, the wrecked bodies that our NBA players have when they first get to the NBA. And so Henry's a, a real expert only because he spent so much time talking to the scientists and some of the athletes themselves. And today he surprised me because I, I asked him to write about it. That was last week. I did not know what he was writing for today, which I normally do know. I didn't know until he told me before we published it and it's a follow-up and it's i already read it once and i can't wait to read it again it's brilliant it's just a, a, a if you read henry abbott you will never again question why we're load managing so that was today and then i'm friday i'm doing i'm doing a breakdown on killer coaches the guys that are just really killing it for their team brad stevens is the lead and i, I, I focus on a few teams spolster has been terrific in miami of course Nate McMillan's had a great job with the Pacers. They, they, were, they were blowing out KC tonight to, to put a seventh straight win. Remember, they still get Oladipo back. They played a weak schedule, but they don't have Oladipo and Miles Turner, sir. I love they're putting so, him in the G League first. I wish more teams would do that. That's like the smart thing to do, I think, long term. I completely agree. I've always said that, that it's crazy not to utilize the minor leagues just like baseball does. I, I don't see why they wouldn't. And eventually they will. I'm watching the G League. It's an ugly league to watch. Uh, because the players are, are just aren't very smart yet. They're young kids. Uh, I watch Europeans, and obviously these guys are a lot of veterans. Uh, but the talent is incredible. So I love that. But anyway, so I'm doing a thing on, on great coaches and what they're doing. The Celtics offense is, is beautiful to watch right now. And as much as you give the players credit, and Jalen Brown and, and Kemba, Brad Stevens is orchestrating a masterpiece with last year was a mess. For whatever reason, I'm not going to get into the reasons because they don't matter anymore. What matters is right now they're playing great. And so I believe it's, I believe it's the coach's league. I've always said it's the coach's league. Uh, of course, it matters to have players without question. But if, you, if the players are the same in two different spots, the better coach team is going to win. And uh, I think Brad's doing it, the, the best job right now in, in, uh, in the NBA. Amongst the best. Although James Borrego, with very little talent, has done a hell of a job in Charlotte, I have to say. Yeah. I mean, P.J. Washington was not someone I had on my radar as like, oh, this is really good. Yeah, they've got some good young players, actually. In G League. They've got a G League kid that's terrific, too, uh, that I call Robert Franks, who scored 29 and 27 in his first two G League games. He's fantastic. He, he should be in the NBA for a long time. Uh, but Borrega's done a hell of a job coaching. But still, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write about Borrega, too. But, yeah, I'm going to mostly focus on Brad and what the Celtics are doing. A lot of, 
a lot of GIFs and videos and just uh, still shots of what they're doing that's working really well. That's what I'm doing for this week. Awesome. So go check that out. Go to troop.com. Become uh, a member, subscriber, get the newsletter. I love it. Um, and all that good stuff. Coach Thorpe, I very much appreciate the time as always. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you soon. Look forward to it. Thank you, Chase. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.